Revelation 22 for the adults. Revelation 22 for the adults. What a great God we serve. Amen. He is awesome. I love the Lord and I know that you do. I love His Word. I love His Word. Amen. Praise God. We're going to talk about Zion, the government of heaven. The government of heaven. And uh, we, we touched on a little bit on this uh, at the end of the service last Sunday, but we're going to continue it this morning. Revelation chapter 22, the government of heaven, Zion. Revelation 22, verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We praise you, O God. We stand before your throne right now with praise and adoration and worship. Thank you, God, for your presence today. Rule and reign. Exercise your dominion, authority, and power in this service, O God. We look forward to the eternal kingdom, Lord. We'll stand before you literally in a physical way, God. We praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, be glorified in this service. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Again, please look at Revelation 22, verse 1. He showed me a pure river of water of life, crystal as clear, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. The throne of God that is going to be in that holy city, the new Jerusalem of God, is the throne of God and the Lamb. Doesn't mean we got two, three thrones up there. We got one throne, and there's one sitting on the throne, and he is God, and he is the Lamb. His name is Jesus. He's God in his deity, he's Lamb in his humanity. Two dual natures, one God, one throne. Amen. So we're going to focus on the throne of God, the government of God that's going to take place in heaven. Without government, right government and right order, you don't have heaven. There is no chaos there. There is no insurrection there. There is no insubordination there. It is a righteous reign. It is a throne of grace. And God is sitting on that throne and He is in a theocracy, which means the reign of God. God Himself is going to be reigning in that city. Now notice, in the tabernacle, or the temple, either way, but here in the tabernacle you'll see up there in the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's the throne of God, the Holy of Holies. The Jerusalem of God 
that's coming down from God out of heaven. We talked about last Sunday where the bride is going to reside. This city, the Jerusalem of God, is one solid cube. It's not a square, it's a cube. So the whole city is a holy of holies. That's why there's no need for a temple there. Because the whole, the whole city is the holy of holies. You're not going to have to leave that place and go somewhere else to worship God. You're going to be right in the most holy place, the holy of holies, where the throne of God is. And that's what you see in Revelation 22. You see the interior of the new Jerusalem. We saw the exterior and all the beauty of that last week. But we see the interior of the city. It's a paradise inside of that city. Paradise. And we're talking about, you know, we got a tree of life here. But it's not the only tree there. Because there's multitudes of parks in this paradise, this park of God. It's everywhere in that city. There's trees all over the place in that city. Are you with me here? And we've got this, this uh, crystal clear stream of river coming from the throne of God Almighty. It's like liquid diamond. And because it's crystal clear, crystal is what you receive or they used to receive radio waves with. So coming from the throne of God, this flow of this river is coming from the throne. We're talking about the government, the throne of God. It's flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb here. So we've got music going on. We've got this liquid diamond-looking river flowing. And it's at least 1,500 miles long because the city's 1,500 miles or they're about wide. So this thing is a long, long river that's flowing from the throne of God. And it doesn't mean it's just limited to that dimension. But it's flowing from the throne of God. It's beautiful, crystal clear like a diamond. Beautiful melody going up. Trees all over that place inside of that city. But the Bible talks about a particular tree in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. So we talk about this beautiful tree here. It's got the fruit. And this is, again, again the fruit of the Spirit, all right? And let me just say this, that all of these literal things are pointing to spiritual truths. So you can preach this two ways. You can preach this spiritual truth or you can preach it literal. The literal is going to teach you spiritual things about the bride, etc. But we've got this beautiful tree. It's called the tree of life. Now, what is the tree of life? Got this river flowing out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. The literal translation is the wood of life. Ultimately, this is talking about the cross. Because the cross is the wood of life. It is the tree of life. In fact, the cross is called the wood. It is called the wood of life. So when you talk about the tree of life, you get this picture of this huge, huge tree. It's producing all these fruits and all these leaves on that tree. And I believe that's literal. Just like you had a literal tree of life in the Old Testament. Paradise, Garden of God, literal tree. But it's pointing to the true tree, which is Calvary. Are you with me? So the finished work of the cross, Calvary, is what is producing this river that's flowing from the throne of God. Now watch this. In the Spirit, you've got a river flowing out of you. It's the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Ghost. And the more impurities you get out of your life, the purer the river that flows out of you. And in this river there is no wormwood there. There's no contamination there. Wormwood is gone. There's no serpent in that river. It's a crystal clear river. It's not polluted. It's not contaminated by anything. Now are you with me so far? But in the spirit, the purer we get, the clearer the river is that flows out of us. No bitterness, no wormwood in us. The purer the river flows out of us. But it's coming from the throne of God. Are you with me so far? Ezekiel saw this powerful, powerful river. But he did not know where it was coming from. He saw it flowing from, uh, from inside the sanctuary. But, and flowing out from underneath the door. But he didn't know where its source was. Until you get to the book of Revelation, you don't know where the source is. But when you get to the book of Revelation, you see the source is the throne of God and the Lamb. So that river that he saw flowing out from underneath the threshold of the door of the temple. And it got deeper and deeper and deeper as he went. It got it was ankle deep, then knee deep, then low and deep, then pretty soon it got over his head. That's what Ezekiel saw. And Ezekiel the prophet swam in that crystal clear river. Psalm 36 tells us. That, let me read it to you. Psalm 36. Let's go there. Are y'all with me so far? I know it takes you a little while for your brain to wake up. Psalm 36. Not only did Ezekiel swim in it. Are you with me? God's a good God, isn't he? I wasn't going to read this to you, but maybe it would be good if I did. I think it's Psalm 36. Let me find it here. Verse 8. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, and thy light shall we see light. That is so much in that right there. It take me all morning to preach that right there. That is a powerful, powerful verse. Let me read it again. They shall be abundantly satisfied. In the spirit it's true now, but in the future, ultimately it's going to be true. All abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. So not only did Ezekiel swim in that river, we're going to drink that river. And in the spirit, we're doing it now in the Holy Ghost. But when we get there, I believe in a literal river flowing from a literal throne because Jesus is literally sitting on the throne. He's God and the Lamb. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Powerful. So he talks about this awesome satisfaction and us drinking of this river. And this is what he's talking about in Revelation 22. Are you still awake? Woo, glory to God. He goes on, he says. Now, we're, again, this is what's coming from the throne of God. Verse 2. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, or the wood of life. 
ultimately pointing to the cross of the Lord Jesus, which bear 12 manner of fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit for us now. You with me? The Bible talks about every month that yields a different kind of fruit. Maybe January is apples. Maybe February is the pomegranates. Maybe March, you know, is oranges. I don't know. Maybe some fruit we've never even seen before. Probably is. Probably is something we've never seen before. In this paradise of God, this Gan Eden that is up there in the heavenly place there. A heavenly paradise. The earthly paradise is only a picture of what was up there. You understand that? And there's been a few people who have been able to stare inside of paradise. Gan Eden. Are you with me? The garden of Eden that is heavenly. Got a few people like that. Paul. The apostle Paul was taken into Gan Eden or paradise. He saw that. John. The revelator, he saw Gan Eden. Now you got to be careful when you go there. If you ever get taken there in the spirit, you got to be careful. Because a lot of people that are taken there in the spirit, if they don't handle it right, they end up backsliding, they get crazy, all kinds of things. I, oh, I'm not going to get into that. But you can go there in the spirit. You hear what I'm saying? I can go there in the spirit. You can go there in the spirit. Not just in the spirit. God can take you in the spirit literally and show you that literal place. Now, I've never been there. Like Paul or like John. But they saw a literal throne with a literal river with a literal Jesus sitting on that throne. And he's God and he's the lamb. They saw this huge tree of life producing these various fruits in this paradise, this Gandida in the Garden of Eden. Are you with me? Where are y'all at this morning? This heavenly paradise. This heavenly part. A garden enclosed that was there before God ever planted a garden eastward in Eden. The things we see in this world, the things that were way back there in the paradise of God, are only a model of what is up there. Okay? So, now... I can get excited. Y'all can look at me like, that's all you want. But I get excited about this because I believe this. See, I'm not preaching to you from the Quran this morning. I'm not preaching to you from some false religious book this morning. I'm preaching to you from the Word of God. And these, some of these people saw it with their eyes and described it for us. And that's where some of us are going. So I don't know when you get up there in that paradise inside of that city. I don't know if you're going to have fruit that you've never seen before or not. I believe you will. There's got to be some stuff here that, I mean, that used to be here that's not here anymore in this earth. Now you think that's beautiful. That's down here. That's down here in a sin-cursed, polluted environment. And look at the color. Look at the vibrate, the vibrant colors. Look at the, the variety of colors. Look at the beauty and the aroma of these flowers. You smell it all through my house. Can you imagine when the wind of God blows through that heavenly paradise? And it hits all those flowers and trees, ornamental trees and fruit. The beautiful uncontaminated air 
by the breath and wind of God. Spirit of the Lord walked in the cool of the garden. Like the wind of the garden, he came. And that's the way it's going to be in heaven, man. It's going to be awesome. And and that is beautiful. But I would imagine those flowers up there, I'm not sure, but I would imagine some of those flowers up there is, this flower right up there is probably as big as a tree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you don't want to miss that place. You don't want to miss this paradise of God that is inside of the city of the living God. That is what he has prepared for those that love him. Those that are overcomers. This is what he has prepared. Oh, and can you imagine the throne room? What the throne room must look like. Esther gives you a little, little peek. You know, and it's just a typical illustration with an earthly king, Ahasuerus. A little illustration, the beautiful pavings and etc. that was there. It's only an illustration, a small illustration of what that throne room is going to be like. Hallelujah. And that's where the bride is going to be also. Give God some praise. And then he talks about the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Leaves of the trees. Can you imagine the wind blowing through? I think about David. The Bible talks about he heard the goings, the armies of God, the tops of the mulberry trees. That was a sign to him to go up and and dominate and prevail. I hear the rustling of the trees and the march of God's angelic host going through those trees. Read it in the Word. It's in the Old Testament in case you don't know that. It's in the Old Testament. Those rumbling in the mulberry trees. Can you imagine what it's going to be like up there in that heavenly paradise? And the wind of God is blowing up there. And those leaves are preaching. Those leaves are speaking. Come on. Oh, yeah. See, you don't, you know, what, what we need to understand is what's up there can be revealed in the Spirit. So that what David heard in the tops of the mulberry trees, he heard it in the Spirit. It was real, but he heard it in the Spirit. And you can hear every once in a while. You can hear those leaves begin to flutter as the Spirit begins to move. And the mighty armies of God march in the tops of the mulberry trees telling you to go forth and to conquer and to be victorious in Him. They send forth a mighty message. Jesus, we've got the message for nations. We've got the answer for nations. And the answer for nations is the wood of the cross. The answer for nations is the finished work of Jesus Christ. The tree of life is the answer or the message for nations that bring healing to the nations now. Give God praise. Every once in a while you'll hear those leaves fluttering right down here. So tell the nations they're looking for an answer and we got the answer. See, we, we're not walking around here with our heads hung down in defeat and despair. We walk in power and victory with a message. And that message of the throne room is, it is 
done. That's the message of the throne room. It is finished. It's located in the seventh level. Are you with me here? Every one of these pieces of furniture included the Ark of the Covenant. And then the mercy seat on top of that. You've got seven different locations in the tabernacle. That Holy of Holies, the throne of God and the mercy seat. God sitting above that is a type and picture of what we're talking about right here. So the, the message of the finished work is it is finished. It is finished. Seven is the number of completion. It's when he finished his work. Are you with me right now? So the message of the most holy place, the message of the throne of God and the Lamb is it is finished. It was taken care at the cross. And here's the river that it produces. And here's the fruit of the Spirit that it produces. This is the message to the nations. No, that's the message of the throne. I'm trying to connect this to you with you. That is the message of the throne of God. It's a mercy seat. It will be a mercy seat. Are you here? For us, it's a mercy seat. But in the future, ultimately, it's going to be an eternal mercy seat, an eternal throne of grace. But it's going to be a reign of righteousness. Psalm 9. Psalm 9. Let's look at Psalm 9. Y'all can sit down. Hallelujah. That's good. Mighty King. Psalm 9. Y'all there? I think, let me see. Let me make sure I got the right verse here. (coughs) Hmm. I get the right verse here for you. Yeah, verse 4. Yeah. 9 4. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou settest in thy throne judging right so when you get up there it is a a throne of righteousness it's a throne of grace but it's a throne of rightness says are you here right now okay y'all ready let's talk a little more the bible says in verse 3 there shall be no more curse there there's no devil there there's no sin there there's no curse there as I said it there's no insurrection there There's no rebellion there. There's no insubordination there. It is a perfect rule by the Lamb of God. Jesus is His name. Amen. There shall be no curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. Give God praise. All right. So we've got an administration of God here. Are you with me so far? Let's go over to the book of Revelation, the beginning of the book of Revelation. I'm going to show you a progression of this throne. The government of God in the city. Now, right now, I'm looking at the spiritual Jerusalem of God. Hebrews 12. We are come. We are come unto Mount Sion. We're already there in the spirit. You're sitting together in Christ in heavenly places. Right now in the spirit. But the eternal kingdom is what we're talking about you talk about the government of Zion the government of heaven you talk about the kingdom of God say the kingdom you're talking about the king sitting on his throne so you're talking about kingdom manifestation right now this is the church 
You see the church? This is the seven golden candlesticks. It's a picture of it. Really, it's got one. It should be seven of them. Jesus is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That is right here. I don't want to lose you, but that's in the second dimension. Outer court, first dimension, holy place. Then a veil, and behind the veil, the throne of God, the most holy place. Right here is where Jesus was standing at the beginning of the book of Revelation. So he is standing in the church at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Are you with me so far? Okay. Now we will see him in Revelation 4 sitting on the throne. In Revelation 5 he's sitting on the throne. But at the beginning of the book he's standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So he's not seen in the throne room. He's seen standing in the midst of the church. Now why am I showing you that? You need to understand that there is a progression of the throne. Right now, because the literal kingdom. Now we're in the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you entered into the kingdom of God. The reign, the power, the authority of God is in your life. You're in His kingdom. But the literal setting up of His kingdom, the literal physical kingdom is not yet. Are you with me so far? Okay? So in the book of Revelation, instead of focusing on the spiritual application, I'm going to focus on the literal fulfillment. And let me show you this progression. Okay, Revelation chapter 1. If you'll get your Bibles out, have a little Bible study here. Okay, y'all with me so far? Verse 12, Revelation 1 verse 12. Watch this. Okay, the church of the living God. He says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, when John turned to see, where was he at? Yeah, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is the kingdom age. You with me? The literal kingdom age. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He saw events that preceded the kingdom age. And he saw events that followed the earthly thousand year reign called the kingdom age. Are you with me so far? He was a spirit in the spirit on the Lord's day. Not just talking about Sunday. We're not talking about Saturday. A, a day on the earth. We're talking about the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord is that kingdom, a thousand year kingdom age on the earth. You with me so far? So John saw, he saw the church. He saw the church. He saw the events that preceded the kingdom age. And then those events that followed the kingdom age. The new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem of God. So there is a progression that is going on in the book of Revelation. So whenever John, he hears a voice. It's like a trumpet that's talking to him. And he turns to see the voice that spake with him. And being turned, he saw one like the Son of Man, right? Let me read, let me read exactly. I turned to see the voice that spake with him, and behold, saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. There he is. Standing with his garment down to the foot, girded about the past with a golden girdle. So he's standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Don't miss that. 
John is in the spirit. He's already up in the kingdom. He's in the throne room. He's got to turn around. And look, where's the voice coming from? It's coming from the candlestick dimension. It's coming from the church dimension. And as you read Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus is standing in the church, inviting the church to move up into the kingdom. You with me so far? Okay. I can say I'm going to take this slow, but anyway. Y'all got the picture now, right? So when you talk about this progression of the throne, Jesus right now is in the midst of his church, walking in the midst of the garden of God in a spiritual sense. You are the garden of God if you're born again. And he's walking in the midst of his garden, in the midst of his bride spiritually. He's located there. He is ruling and reigning in his church. All right? You with me? He's ruling and reigning in his garden, his spiritual garden, his church. Say amen. Amen. Because we're not yet in the in the spirit, we can go into the kingdom. I don't want to lose you here. In the spirit, you can go into that dimension called the kingdom. But we're not yet in the literal manifestation of God's kingdom yet. Okay? So right now, he's standing in the church. And he's running and running from that place in the church. Are you here? I said, are you here? So what you have to do then, you have to go back to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is going to lay this out typically for you. Whenever Israel was brought out of Egypt... They were led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They were led by the Spirit and the voice. Okay. Well, I got to get you in this. Somehow, God, in the name of Jesus, bring these people into the Spirit. And you need to see this in the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit and the voice. You with me? We are led by... The Spirit of God and the voice of God. Just like Israel of old. But that was their king. When they looked up there and they saw that pillar of fire by nine and that cloud by day. That visible manifestation of the glory of God. They knew that that was their king. Right? The one that sat between the cherubim on that ark. That was him. They knew it. So he's leading them through the wilderness. Yeah. He's leading them through the wilderness ultimately to Jerusalem. Okay, you with me? And then John the Baptist comes along and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And where is he? He's in the wilderness. So he's going to lead us out of the wilderness to where? The Jerusalem of God. The Holy of Holies. That cubed city. Okay? So right now, we as the church of the living God are led by the Spirit and by the voice of God Almighty. And He is our King. Okay? Just like Israel of old, led by the Spirit and the voice of God. I don't always have to, I don't have to see Jesus physically. In the Spirit and His voice talking like that. Leading me through the wilderness taking me to that most holy place 
the Jerusalem of God. Are you with me so far? Okay, say amen. amen. So the kingdom of God literally is not yet set up in the literal sense. In the spirit it is, but not in the literal. He's seen in the church. Are y'all with me? Now, Revelation 4, we then get a, a picture of Jesus in Revelation 4. He's not standing in the second dimension. John having to turn from the third dimension or the throne room to see him. In the fourth chapter, now Jesus is sitting on the throne. And in Revelation 4 and 5, the throne is listed 17 times. Because God doesn't want you to miss this government of God. This throne of God. But Revelation is going to show you the throne progressively. So Revelation 4 and 5. Are y'all with me so far? And I'm going to go back to 2 and 3 in just a little bit. I'm going to show you that God is busy right now in the church. Inviting the church to the dimension of kingdom operation. He's doing that now in the Spirit, by the Spirit and by His voice. He's given an invitation to the overcomer to operate in kingdom authority. Not just churchianity, but kingdom operation. Okay? That's Revelation 2 or 3, and I'm going to show it to you if I don't forget. But Revelation 4 and 5, 17 times the throne of God is mentioned here. So you don't miss it. Now he's seen sitting on the throne. Are y'all with me so far? Now I'm not going to read all of this. But uh, let's, let's read the first few verses. After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Which said come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So there's only one throne in heaven. Amen. And there's only one sitting on the throne. Right. And Revelation 22, 3 says that one throne is the throne of God and of the Lamb, Jesus, in his dual nature. Okay? All right, the Bible says, verse 3, He that sat was to look upon like a jasper. This is what Revelation 22 is talking about. The throne of God and the Lamb. This is what it looks like when you see Jesus there on that throne. It says, it looks like a jasper and a sardine stone. A jasper is like a diamond. It's like a crystal clear diamond. And then he says, also like a sardine stone. It's blood red, not just red. It's blood red. The diamond, the jasper, speaks of God's holiness. The sardine stone speaks of the blood shed for us. It could also speak of His judgment. His fiery judgment. But He has taken our judgment when He shed His blood red. His red blood. Are you with me so far? So what allows me to approach this throne of God, this holy God, is the blood of Jesus. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, I could not approach that diamond-like purity, God, because I died just like that. But because of the jasper, the I mean the sardine, the blood of Jesus, now I can approach the throne. And then he talks about from there, he talks about this rainbow round about the throne. Okay? 
It is a translucent green rainbow. Are you with me? Like unto emerald, green rainbow. Are you with me? And it's around the throne of God. So keep in your mind, you have got the throne. I wish, okay, if we were to see it, you would see steps on all sides. Rising up to the throne of God. You go in the temple and you could study this. You can see the, the throne of Solomon. Steps leading up to it. And in the middle of this platform, with steps all around, is the throne of God. Round that throne, sardin. Round that throne, jasper light. You with me? Jasper, sardin. Then around that, emerald. Are y'all getting the picture? Okay. Oh, help me God. Round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Circle, complete circle. So now we see, this is the, the, the rainbow speaks of the grace of God. So by His grace, but now you don't see just half a rainbow. You see the whole rainbow around the throne. You get high enough, you can see the a rainbow is not half. You get high enough, the rainbow is a circle. And we got high enough. Now we see the rainbow is emerald and it's a complete circle. Okay, I'm just pointing a few things out to you. Here, now. The Bible talks about it then around that, the, the throne, there's 24 seats. And upon those thrones, 24 elders clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And it talks about what's coming out of the throne. You know what I'm saying? It talks about these four living creatures that are associated with the throne. One with the face of a lion. One with the face of an ox. One with the face of a man. One with the face of an eagle. Are you with me? Those four living creatures. 24 elders around the throne. Then you got angels around the throne. And you got, of course, the bride, as we progressively go and look at the throne, the bride eventually is going to be invited to sit with him in the throne. But when you get in Revelation 22, it doesn't show you all that symbolism. You know why? Because you have progressively reached an ultimate throne. Now, I'm not saying that all of that's not there in Revelation 22. I'm just telling you the focus there is not going to be the jasper or the sardin or the four living creatures or the angels or the elders. The focus is going to be Jesus and his bride that's reigning with him. Okay, so I, I'm not going to get into all this stuff. But in Revelation 4 then, we move progressively beyond Revelation 2 and 3, the church age. He is seen, and, and yes, he's here and he's on the throne. He's ruling, come on, in authority in and through the church and for the church in the heavens right now. Revelation 4. He's judging earth, the earth right now. He's administering his judgments in the earth right now. They're not going to come. They are coming. They are going to come, but they're not just going to come. They're coming now. Okay, and so that's what he's doing. On the behalf of his body, his church, his church is suffering persecution. His church is going through all kinds of things in Revelation 2 and 3. And so he's seen sitting on the throne. He's letting the church know, hey, don't get down because he, the one that walks in the midst of you, he is the one that's sitting on the throne. And he is in absolute, total control of everything. 
He is sending forth his judgments into the earth on the behalf of his kingdom and his church who's in a time of great persecution and suffering. That's where he is. Okay, y'all with me so far? Right now. Now, I know in America it's hunky-dory for us. We just suffer a little inconvenience and we think, well, I'm going to die. You know, oh, I'm really hurting. I'm really suffering, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. Woo. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to show you here? But there he is in Revelation chapter 4, in progression. Now, when you go into the Old Testament, you're going to see the same thing. Because when you get in the book of Judges, the book of Judges is before kings are reigning and before the kingdom is set up in the book of Judges. So Revelation chapter 4 is a picture of, are you with me so far? The book of Judges. Before the kingdom is set up, but we have the reign of Jesus on the throne. Give God some praise. In the midst of his church, judging his church. But at the same time, sitting on the throne, judging the world on behalf of the church. Okay. Now let's jump over to uh, progressively. And there's more said about the throne of God than what I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you a progression. Now after, at the end of the book of Revelation... After the judgment of Babylon in Revelation 18, the judgment of that harlot church system, that harlot system, after it's judged, Revelation 17 and 18, then you see a picture, Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So now you've jumped beyond the church age where Jesus is walking and leading us by his spirit and his word. You've jumped beyond in time progressively from Revelation 4 and 5 where he's seen there judging in Revelation 4 style. Are you with me? Now you're moving to the time of the earthly kingdom of God. When God's kingdom is set up upon the earth at the end of the tribulation period. And we see thrones that are set up. And we are in, the Bible talks about these that were beheaded are reigning with Christ a thousand years. Are you with me so far? So progressively now we see then, we see people sitting on thrones. Administrating the kingdom of God in the thousand year reign of Christ. Okay. So look, look up here. Okay, this is Revelation uh, 1, 2, and 3. You with me so far? We have in Revelation 20, I'm going to jump the tribulation period. In Revelation chapter 20, we have the setting up of the kingdom age. After the great tribulation period, thousand year earthly reign of Christ upon the earth. Okay? And the Bible talks about the, these people that were beheaded in the great tribulation are going to be given thrones and they're going to be ruling and reigning in the kingdom age for a thousand years so you see progression now we got people ruling on his behalf okay so when you go on then in the Old Testament you move from the book of Judges and you move to the mighty throne of David 
David is sitting on the throne. Come on. As a representative of the true king. Okay. So he's representing the true king. This is a picture of people representing the true king. And David is forcing people to submit to him. All right. But what happens to David? Rebellion rises. Insurrection rises. Insubordination arises in the face of his son called Absalom. Are you with me? Well, let's see. After the thousand-year reign of Christ, you have this rebellion, this insurrection, and this insubordination by the devil. Just like Absalom did. Okay? Let's look at it. Verse 7. And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog, Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So there's that rebellion. God's going to deal with that. Going to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven. And right after that, what does he do? He sets up the great white throne judgment. And there he judges the unrighteous. There he judges the insubordinate. There he judges the insurrectionists. There he judges the rebellious. It's called the great white throne judgment. You with me? So we're showing you the throne progressively. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Absalom is defeated. Revelation 20, 11, 12. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Okay? So now we see God on the white throne judgment. And he's judging. He's, uh, uh, the unrighteous are gathered before him at the end of the thousand-year reign. Are y'all with me so far? Yeah. All right, now, let's go. Revelation 22, then, you come to the fifth aspect of God's throne. Now, we don't see God sending judgment on the earth. It's already done. We don't see God rewarding there. Already done. We see God administrating, reigning, grace. It's a throne of peace. It's a throne of mercy. It's government. It's administration. More than it is reward and wrath. But it's still his authority, power, reign, and rule. And his servants serve him gladly. No insubordination there. No Absalom's there. No insurrection there. No rebellion there. No Judas Iscariot there. He's in government. He's in... A heavenly Zion. Okay? And that's what, yeah, we need to see that, right? That's the progression of the throne in the book of Revelation. This is the ultimate throne. You with me so far? Okay, now, watch. Verse 3 There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall serve him. The Greek word, they're going to worship him. Hallelujah. Worship Him. The word worship translates. We talked about the worship. 
and all the aspects of praise that go into worship. Some prostrate, some sing, some dance. You understand? But this also talks about the aspects of Zion. When we're involved in the administration of God's kingdom in the heavens, we're going to be sons of the king in his kingdom, and we're going to be serving the king, not just worshiping him, but carrying on activity. There's going to be activity there, activity in the kingdom. Oh, yes. Serving him. Being involved in the administration of the king because we're king's sons. Overcomers are there in his throne room. Really, the whole city is his throne room. And his servants will serve him. Okay? And it's not going to be a drudgery. And there's not going to be anything hindering. Nothing blocking. No flesh. Thank God. I'm looking forward to that day. Okay? We're going to serve him. And the service is going to be activity. It's not just going to be up there sitting on a cloud, floating around, playing your heart. You're going to be serving. You're going to be busy. Okay? Now, I'm not saying you'll be limited just to that city. That's huge. I mean, I don't know where else you'd go. But you, maybe Jesus has an assignment for you over on Pluto, if there's a Pluto. <laughs> Wherever. Far regions of his kingdom sends you on assignment. I don't know. But I can tell you. Watch this can tell you your level of responsibility and rank there is determined by your faithfulness here. You with me? If you're faithful over the little here, little here, he'll make you ruler over much there. If you're not faithful down here, he might say, brother, you go clean the toilet. Pastor, I didn't know there's toilets in heaven. There's not. <laughs> so if he told you to go clean the toilet, he probably, you're probably down there somewhere. Oh. See, that's why you don't want to just get saved and sit on a pew nonchalant and, oh, I'm morning in. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Friend, there's more to it. That's just the beginning of your walk with God. Your holiness. Your righteousness is going to make your wedding garment. And it's going to determine your level of rank there. There's going to be some sitting on his right hand and on his left hand. In rank and authority and power. See, your willingness to obey here. Your submission to his authority here now. Determines your level of rank there. So be faithful to the Lord. They that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. They are overcomers. But these overcomers have different levels and degrees of rank in them. Okay? Just like Revelation 2 and 3, you've got different degrees of light. Hmm. I don't know where we are this morning. There's something not feel right to me here. Something don't feel right to me. Okay, are y'all with me so far? I know it is something that's trying to distract me. All right, y'all with me so far? So his servant's going to serve him. But if you look, in the, you look in the gospel, you're going to find out it depends on your level of faithfulness here. Amen. Amen. I don't know what it is about people. 
even in the church of the living God down here, they want you instant promotion. They're looking for a ministry. I know what I'm talking about. I pastor. A lot of people, they're just looking for a ministry. They're just looking for a place that will give them a, a ministry. That's all fine and good, but you're going to have to earn it. You, you might be called to that, but we're not going to put you there until we recognize that you're faithful in the little things. Then we'll, then we'll, God will promote you and we'll recognize that. But if you ain't doing nothing right now, we're not going to make you ruler. There are a lot of people waiting for me to go knock on their door. Say, I want you to preach. You know, I want, this is their ministry for you. Are you funny? Till you learn to clean. Oh, yeah, come on, somebody. So in God, God is selective. He select 12 disciples, and there was an inner circle of three. Somebody said, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it is fair. That's the way God works. If you're faithful in the little, he'll make you ruler over much. But he's got he's to prove us. He's got to test us. We've got we to check our spirits. And I've always said this. You have to go through at least one time in this church where you're so mad you want to leave, but you stay. First qualification to be used. He said, I'm so mad, Pastor, I'm ready to go. But you stay anyway. Hallelujah. I'm hurting. Yeah, I'm, I know you're circumcised, but stay in the camp till you get well. Because you cannot exercise authority without having first learned how to submit to authority. God doesn't give authority to anybody that hasn't learned to submit to authority. He's not going to give somebody authority that's going to create an insurrection and a riot and a revolt. He don't do things like that. He's going to test your spirit. Jesus. He'll say, well, Ryan, I get promoted. I don't understand why I don't get promoted in a church. Same reason why you don't get promoted on your job. Amen. Your stinking, lousy, stinking attitude. <sighs> okay, let me get back. Y'all like me to get back to the book of Revelation, don't you? Okay. Yeah, let me, let me get back over here. Let, let me talk about stuff that's way over there in the future. You know, doesn't put us on con in conviction. Yeah, we're going to invite you to a place of authority and rulership when we don't even know you. We don't even know who you are. We don't know how you respond under pressure. We don't know what kind of spirit you got. It hasn't been seen yet because we don't know what you are because until you get in battle, we're not going to know it. So we can't. We can't do it, okay? So, you know, it's not we're trying to be mean. I just say, man, I've seen it through the years. About the time I think somebody, God's fixed a boy, yeah, well, I got my eye on them. All of a sudden, they get this something, this something, something about them. Something don't smell right. Let's put it that way. This don't smell right. Hallelujah. Man, I had my eyes on you. I thought I was fixed to, you fixed to be something else, man. And all of a sudden, something happened to you. You start stinking. You start getting polluted. Defiled. Corrupted in mind. 
stinking thinking. <laughs> I just call it stupidity. Okay, back to the book. <laughs> now wipe the sweat off the top of your head. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But if you want to rule with him, you've got to suffer with him. Yeah. You do, man. You look at David in his life. It's a picture of the true king. David in his life, he got associated with people, man. They, they had all kinds of problems. But they stayed with David. The mighty men of valor. Man, they stayed with David. No matter what happened, they stayed with him. And when David got exalted and placed on the throne, those, those that stayed with him during the time of his rejection, when he got set on the throne, those were his mighty men of valor, and they were placed in high positions. So if you'll follow the Lord Jesus in the time when the world is rejecting him, when it's time for him to reign, you will sit with him and you will rule and reign with him in his kingdom. It's easy to live for God when everything's, everybody's, whoo, yeah, whoo. Yeah, go through a time of rejection, man, of suffering, and then say, okay, yeah. Now you can reign. You stayed with it. You said, so I'm trying to show you here. See, don't think when you get in heaven, it's pie in the sky. Floating around on a cloud somewhere. You have to qualify. I have to qualify. I'm not preaching down to you, man. I'll have the greater judgment. I'll have the greater judgment. Our position there is determined by our faithfulness here. Oh, yeah, man. Hallelujah. If I can't even make it to church half the time, I don't know if I'm going to make it half the time up there. No, 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 Blue, don't feel bad. Oh, oh, boom, that hit me. I know some of you got to work. I, you tell me where you are mostly. I'm talking about people. They don't have an excuse. Okay? Praise God, man. They that are with them are called, chosen, and faithful. Now, you think I'm radical. And I, I heard a guy on the radio you know what? Sometimes I listen to sometimes preaching. I just I get so bored with it. I gotta shut the radio off. It's so soupy and you know, and they come over and scratch your ear a little bit. I just get so fed up with it. I I can't even handle it. It don't do nothing for me. It doesn't move me. I just turn up. But I, I I flipped over to the radio the other day and I listen. This guy was I mean this man was preaching, boy, and it it, it felt good. It, I felt good, man. It felt good to hear somebody that's got some conviction. That's preaching with some authority and some power to that church. Calling them to repentance and faithfulness to God. Man, he, he wasn't playing, boy, I tell you. He wasn't playing. I mean, okay, anyway. Thank God for that. The Bible says the servants will serve him. And it's going to be an, a thing of enjoyment. Yes. How many of y'all enjoy serving God now? Yes. Man, you get over there, it's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be a place of worship. It's going to be a place of activity. And the levels and degrees of rank, just like there are levels and degrees of rank in God's spiritual kingdom now. Not everybody. Listen, 
at the cross, the finished work, it's all level ground. It talks about when it talk, the Bible talks about your need for salvation. That ground at the cross is level. Everybody got to go to the cross. Doesn't matter what your social, your socioeconomical, whatever. Don't matter how many degrees you got behind your name. Don't matter how wealthy you are. Doesn't make any difference. Doesn't matter what color skin you got. Everybody has to come the same way. And that ground at the cross is level. But once you get there, you start talking about the government of God in His church. And the government of God in His church is not level ground. There are ranks in God's kingdom. There is authority. You have to understand that. Ranking and authority. It goes beyond the men. These are God-called offices. Ranks of authority. His government in the church. His throne. Are you with me? Young man, one day, I'm going off here. One man come to me, and it's not in this church, but another church, in a youth group. He came to me. He said, Pastor, I don't you know, he's having a problem with the way the pastor was doing things. I'm just the youth minister, you know. And I, I said, I want to tell you something. Okay, and I was nice, like I always am. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I said, you need to understand church government. You better understand it. You better get it right now. Church government. It doesn't matter if you like what he's doing or not. That is a man of God there. He's got authority. He's got God's government behind him. And if you rebel against that government, you rebel against God. Well, he know better than I am. Well, that may be true. You might even be better than he is. But I want to tell you something. We're talking about ranking church government here. We're talking about his throne here in operation. We're not talking about salvation where the ground is level goodness I can I can walk in the presence of a man of God and no rank just just discern the rank it, he don't have to even open his mouth because his authority and his rank is not just by what he says it's by who he is I've been in a few a few conferences in my life where great men of God sit on those platforms and I'm going to tell you before they ever got up to say even a word you could feel rank, power. There was something about them. There was a spirit that was on them. You understand? There was a rank that they walked in. And as soon as they walked up, man, I want to tell you, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I heard one guy preach. If I were to preach like him, you'd probably say, that's the most boring service I've ever been in my life. But it wasn't just about what he said. It's about who he was. And when he said it, it wasn't all that deep. But when he said it, there was so much weight and power and glory and authority behind it. The rank of the government of God was there. I just sat there in awe. I'm doing that the whole time. And you know, I, I can't tell you one thing he said. I can't tell you one thing he said. But when I walked out of it, I said, oh. You hear what I'm saying? So there's rank in God's kingdom. And your level of faithfulness down here is going to determine your rank here. And of course, God's call is involved here. But even in God's call, there's rank and authority. So your level of authority up there is going to be determined by your level of authority down here. 
your faithfulness down here serving God. Why are y'all getting quiet on me? Jesus. Powerful, man. See, I don't want just anointing. I want authority. There's a lot of people. See, I'm off now. There's a lot of people that got anointing, but they're naked. They're anointed, but they're naked. They're like Saul, who starts to prophesy, but he doesn't have any clothes on. They're anointed, but they're naked. They've got the Spirit of God in them, but they have no authority because they have no covering. The minute you walk out from underneath a covering, you might have the Spirit of God, young man, but when you walk out from underneath that authority, that covering, you've lost your, come on, authority. You got the Spirit, yeah. But where's your authority? See, we're not, when we talk about the throne of God, we're not just talking about the church where the Spirit of God is. We're talking about His authority, His power, His weight. Yeah, you got, I got the same Holy Ghost Paul had, but I don't have the authority He had. You understand? The difference between Spirit, getting the Holy Ghost, and being anointed and authority. We're talking about the throne of God. Say amen. So we're not just after spirit. We're after authority. So that comes with submission and walking in covering and walking under obedience. And when I don't feel like it, I still do it. Because I can't sacrifice the authority. The spirit I got. But the authority. Even as a pastor, I'm real careful, real, real. You don't know how careful I am about what I uncover, what I expose, and what I leave covered. You know why I do that? For the sake of authority in the church. Not just the spirit that moves, but the authority that this church walks in. Come on. You, you got to, I bless you, sister. You got to be careful. Uh, listen, I have to be careful. Whew, man, talk about, talk about any true man of God. Any true man of God. Even if he's fallen, you got to be careful. Lucifer's a fallen, a fallen angel. Come on. But Michael wouldn't even bring up a rating accusation against him. You know why? Because of the authority that he once walked in. So Michael wouldn't even talk against fallen authority. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the spirit of, of God. That angel Michael, that's the spirit of God. But we're talking about authority. Are you with me so far? That's why I said a few services back, we got to be careful about protocol. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching this for me. I, that, that's not my motive here. Forget that stuff. I'm not a politician. So I'm not preaching this for me, but I'm going to tell you something. The church has not yet learned protocol and etiquette of the court. There is protocol. There's etiquette connected to government. Right way to approach 
that man of God, right way to approach that throne, right way to operate in that throne. Oh my goodness. Are you still awake? We're talking about the throne of God. And so we're not just talking about the church. Oh, we're not just talking about the church, Jesus operating in the midst of the church and governing and the gifts of the Spirit operating there and operations there. We're talking about now kingdom operation. We're talking about now authority in the Spirit. That's kingdom manifestation. Oh, you with me right now? See, I, I don't have time to get into all this. But I'm going to share just a little bit with you so you understand. You know, five-fold ministry, man, that's located over in the second dimension. That's located in the church operation. Gifts of the Spirit. That's, that's spirit. That's church operation. But when we start talking about moving in government, we're talking about authority then. It's not just spirit. It's authority. Come on. Are you with me? It's raining. It's rank. It's government. Okay? Now, every one of us here, we are underneath his authority. So we're not authoritarians. We're authoritative. Because the authority has to come from God. Doesn't reside in us uh, apart from him. You understand? So if you want to walk in authority over demons, then watch your mouth when, you, when you're relating to authority in the church or relating to authority on your job or relating to authority at your school. Because if you're not rightly related to authority in those locations, then you are not walking in proper covering. So how are you going to exercise authority? How am I going to exercise authority? All right, so where did that all come from? <laughs> I'm planning on preaching it, but I'm going to tell you something. What you do now determines your level of rank there. If you're faithful over the little, he'll make you ruler over much. Got, hey, come on, do you hear that? That brother's got the spirit. That brother's got, brother's got the spirit. But his de- what determines authority over much is are you faithful? See, both got the spirit, but different levels of authority. And that's determined by how faithful the brothers are. Are you here? That's why, watch this. I'm just going to give you an example, not just in the area of preaching, but in the area of singing. You got a sister or a brother, they both had the Holy Ghost. They're born again. They've been to the cross, the level ground. But they stand up and they begin to sing. And some, you know, say this sister, this brother, they got great talent and ability. And even the Spirit of God is there anointing them. Oh, that was wonderful. Wow, praise God. It was beautiful. Help the Lord, yeah. But then somebody else stands up there. And they can't carry a tune in a bucket. (laughs) They sing by letter. They open their mouth and they just let her fly. And people are, <sighs> what's going on there? That person's got authority. The other person just has spirit and talent. 
There's a difference. It's a difference. Okay? Come on. I think about Brother Edmonds, Sister Edmonds. Man. Way up there. Fought the dragon of China. Been there almost 30 years. Come on. You know what? If it was me and you, we were there 30 years and we wouldn't even have a place to, to worship. We didn't even, we wouldn't even, if we were in their place, not even have a building we would call our own for 30 years. Can you imagine the discouragement that you would have to overcome? But yet, stay true. Stay faithful. And you know when he comes here, you can look at his face. Glow like an angel. <laughs> Woo. Let me just tell you, and you know, when I first first started hanging with him, and the first time I went to Taiwan, you know, I get up and I preach. You know, I, you know, be honest with you, I thought I could preach. You know, well, I'm really gonna go over there. And I'm gonna light their fire, boy. Woo, boy. <laughs> you know, here I am, Taiwan. I mean, not that. You know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> okay. Say, brother, I'm here to help you. You know, in a sense, what you can't do, I'm here to do it for you. <laughs> okay. Man. After a while, I started saying, I can't even walk with you. Not only do I not look at myself as an equal with you in ministry, I can't even walk close to you. You're way out there. You, you know, he appears as weak, he appears as humble. But there's something powerful in him. The rank that he walks, the authority. Oh, so after a while, see, you're not so, you know, you know how it is. The, the, the familiarity breeds contempt thing. You know, so for a little while I got a little familiar with him. And I thought, yeah, okay. But then when you really get to know him in the spirit. Oh, yes, sir. Now I talk to him like this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm not trying. Listen, you can call me Jerry if you want to. I don't care. But I'm just telling you that this is the way I see it now. I don't see myself just because I can preach at the same level as he. Because he has rank authority with God. If I ever was tempted to think that I was equal with him. Let me put it that way. We're all tempted. If I was ever tempted to think I was equal with him. I learned that I'm not even close to that man. Praise God. You know, so this protocol and this etiquette, man, powerful, isn't it? See, just because you get anointed every once in a while and you preach pretty good every once in a while and it flows out of you, don't mean anything about you, really. It just tells you about the God that is in you. It don't really talk about, it don't really show your rank, your authority in the kingdom. Okay, say amen. Now, don't hold that against me. You know, don't hold that against me, man. I'm just an overzealous preacher. Thinking I'm going to Taiwan to turn Taiwan upside down for Jesus. That's, I guess that's all right, you know, to have a zeal and excitement for God. But you, know, you start looking at the, the man of God that's over that place. Thinking you can do what he can't do or whatever. Thinking that he's not doing it and you can until you, I'm just trying to show you something. Hello. I'm not trying to be stupid. 
Understand? Man, you go over there, you got the devil fight. You got the dragon to fight. Are you here? Okay. Will y'all forgive me for that? I don't know why I went off on that. But I'm talking to you about the difference between spirit and authority. Rank. Just because we have spirit doesn't mean we got rank. And if you go off and you try to do things that somebody else is doing because you're anointed, it'll destroy you because you don't have that kind of authority. I think I can pastor. You better be sure you're called a pastor because just because you can get a message and a sermon together and preach it doesn't mean you can pastor. They'll kill you the first week. You won't make it through the first month. There ain't no way you never survive it. I'm going to tell you, brother, I'm going to tell you, if you're called, whatever it's called in here, I'm going to tell you something, brother. You don't go into pastoring until you absolutely have to. Yeah, I know. You're smart. And if you can, if you can get away with never pastoring, don't do it. Don't do it. If you can get away with it, don't do it. You can live and be in peace without pastoring. Don't ever do it. Are you with me? Give God some prayer. Well, I like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, Pastor, I, why am I off on this? My, I was going to preach on heaven today. Well, you know what? I just want, I'm just so tired of my job, you know. And Pastor, he seems to be doing pretty good. Yeah. Well, I've been doing this for 13 years. You know, I remember the first year and a half, I gave, put everything back in the church, and the next year I made $6,000. Received $6,000 from the church. And the next year, not much more than that. You know, now we're doing pretty good. But that was our first year. So we got these people that say, okay, well, I'm ready. You know, Pastor, you're doing pretty good. So I think, oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm getting tired of my job. I'm going to start being at church too. Because <laughs> for them, it's all about a job. No, honey. You're going to be dead. You're going to be dead before you ever get started. Because you've got to have the mantle. You've got to have the authority. You've got to have that authority to operate in that. You can't just look at what somebody else is doing and say, I'm going to do that. You try to do what they're doing without their mantle. It's going to kill you. It'll kill you. You'll be dead in the water before you ever get started. Oh, praise the Lord. Because watch this. You know what? God signs my checks. And it might be good one year, and it might be next year not so good. It might even be more. I don't know, but God signs my checks. I have to live by faith. You know, sometimes I'm wondering if I, got, if I need to take a job on the top of this. Okay, so you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm trying to show you the difference between spirit and authority. Government. So I looked at that young man and I said, I'll tell you something. I've got to teach you the difference. You're a saved, you're a born again brother. But I've got to teach you the difference between spirit and government. This is church government. You don't act just the way you want to. You don't, you know, rebel. You don't get off on all that stuff. You know what I mean? You're going to have to approach. You're going to have to walk softly.
I remember when I first started, uh, I thought I was, well, I, I ended up pastoring the church in Crane, you know, and the man that was there before me, Brother Purcell, he pastored there. He and I both knew God had called me there. I'm not going to get into all the details. It was supernatural. He knew it. I knew it. But I didn't know when. So I sat underneath his authority his, uh, there as his assistant pastor, knowing that someday I was going to be a pastor there. But I had to keep my mouth shut. I couldn't go to his saints and say, hey, I'm going to be your pastor pretty soon. Then, then I'd have created problems for him. And not only that, for me. I'd aborted, I would have aborted the whole thing. Okay? But let me just tell you, there was, a, there was one time I got to, you know, I get, get to know him pretty, pretty good, you know, him, because I'm his assistant pastor, you know, and um, so we're pretty good friends, you know, and hang out some, and one day after service, I walked up to him and said, hey, and as soon as I did, something hit me, he said, you hit the man of God, I looked at him and said, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize for that, I shouldn't have done No, no, I'm serious. I, wasn't, I shouldn't have done No, I didn't hit him back. I said, I shouldn't have done that. I'm, I'm using those terms. I said, I shouldn't have done that. He said, oh, Brother Carter, that's all right. No, bro, I don't worry. Yeah, that's all right. And I understand where you are, Pastor, but I can't go there. I can't go there. And, and you know, we joke all the time. I'm always beating him up. <laughs> you know, so, but there's certain settings that you don't, you're not joking anymore. You're not buddy-buddy anymore. This is government. This is God's government, His operation. This is kingdom stuff now. We're not playing games right now. We will later on. I'll beat you up later on. (laughs) You get the point, don't you? You know what? I must be going off on this because this is needed. This is needed. So God is inviting you not just to be operating in the church in the spirit. He's inviting you right now to move in authority, to get to the throne of God. And it's to only those who are overcomers. They got to overcome all rebellious spirits. Jezebel, Balaam, all that stuff. They got to overcome everything that is insubordinate, that is rebellious, that creates insurrection. They got to get the victory over their flesh. They got to get the victory over the world and over the devil and over their flesh. Then God says, now you got authority. That's why. Oh, see, I can't stop. That's why God is moving the church. And the pastor, if it's this church or wherever, the pastor says, we need to do this now. For you to sit there, for you to sit there, when God has commissioned through that man a word of direction, for you just to sit there is insurrection. It is rebellion against God. Oh, but that's, you know, most of this church, man, God asked us to fast 21 days. And the majority of this church went to it. Boy, that shows you submission. That shows you obedience. Your fast was not just your denial of your flesh. Your fast, your obedience to that position, you for great rank and authority in God's kingdom. That's why 
Even the devils were subject to them after they fasted. But they couldn't cast the devil out until they fasted. But when they fasted, then they had authority. And there's something more powerful than spirit. That's authority in the spirit. Amen. Come on, church. You remember Brother Sidney Seros? He's another man of God. He, he, just walk, he just walk up there and stand up there. And you feel rank. Just the way he walks, the way he carries himself. You know he's a man of God. He made the statement. He said, that, that, that pastor, you know, there's a person who had a demon. You know, the pastor's a Holy Ghost filled pastor, brother. And he walks up. I think he's a pastor, an evangelist one. He's going to cast that devil out of that man. That devil speaks out of that man said, you can't do it. You're not even praying. See, he's got spirit, but he don't have authority. Because the devil recognizes authority. The devil recognizes rank. He knows when I'm praying. He knows when my spirit's right. He knows when my attitude's right. He knows where I am in the kingdom. And he's got to flee because of my submission. Not just because I got this Holy Ghost, but because of my submission. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not just your spirit, the spirit of God that's in you, but it's your submission that gives you authority over demons. That's why you cannot forsake holiness. Because you may have the spirit, but do you have authority? Understand? Okay. Submission causes the devil to run. You see, we're talking about throne. Now, do you understand the difference between spirit and authority? You, you understand the difference between the church realm and the throne room realm? Do you understand? It's a position of authority based on your level of submission. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Mm. So his servants serve him. Instead of insubordination and insurrection, they are in submission to his government. You've got to have both. You have to have structure and you have to have spirit. Isaiah 2 gives you structure. Joel 2 gives you spirit. Glory to God. Okay, so you get to heaven, got spirit, and you got structure, government. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? There's no discipline there, there's no structure there, then you got hell there. Not heaven. Once in a while, you know, you're, you have you have children. <laughs> and once in a while, they're going, they'll, they'll, they'll challenge your authority, won't they? <laughs> see, they're going to challenge you to see if you're bluffing. And sometimes they want to try to call your bluff. 
and then they find out you ain't bluffing. We just see what they do. Okay. Get ready. Not responsible for the consequence. Beautiful, isn't it? Okay, now let me, I want, in, in a sense that's a negative side, but I'm trying to give you the positive side of it. Because if you walk in submission to God's authority, in that type of operation, you will have authority. So you don't lose in this. And when we talk about authority, you don't say, oh, oh I don't like him to talk about that. Oh. You know why? Because you don't understand what it brings to you. That husband that's placed over that wife in authority, if she understood the benefit of standing rightly related to that authority, fulfilling her proper role, she understood the power that comes to her, the authority that comes to her in that. She wouldn't have a problem with his authority. You got to see what you get out of the thing. I don't care what you say. Everybody's in it for something. That's just the way you made. So until you understand, you know, you bow up, call your bluff. Little lady. Well, not every one of them's little lady. Man. There might be some lady come whoop up on that man. Hallelujah. You're just gonna have to really, like brother said, refrain. <laughs> Boy, I can whoop your seat, but I'm going to refrain. <laughs> said that, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm saying that I'm, I'm acting like the lady. lady said to, the, to her husband, I can whoop your seat. Yeah, you probably can, but refrain. Because as soon as you do, you're going to lose your authority, man. Because you can't whoop God. You can whoop him, but you can't whoop God. You all right? Yeah, just keep standing there. You're doing good, man. You're doing good. You're doing good. I'm trying to help your future. <laughs> you better shout me. You better shout, man. I'm trying to help your future. So God is inviting the church, just not moving spirit, but in authority. See, this is good. I like this. I like, I like when the Holy Ghost just takes over and just want, he wants to sit down and talk to us. They, you want to see his face? Then walk in submission to his governmental authority. And then you'll see his face. Are you with me so far? They should. All right. Now. I'm going to have to really hurry now. Okay, watch this. You won't know night there. You know, have you ever wondered why God repeats that? He already talked about that he's going to be the light thereof, Revelation 21. But now he repeats it here. You ever wonder why he does that? Because he wants to show you what it brings to you when you rightly submit to his government. You see his face. You are, come on, you are his servant. You got his name in your forehead. Are you with me? There's no darkness in you. 
understand? And he's inviting the church to the throne. Now, in closing, let's go over there. And I'm going to close. I can say a lot more about the government of God, Zion, the governmental aspect. But let me close. If you go to Revelation 2 and 3, let's see the church being invited to that position or to that place. The Jerusalem of God is a literal place. Okay? It has dual application. The Jerusalem of God that we're talking about in that throne room operation there is only given to overcomers. Literally, in the eternal kingdom and in the spirit now, it's only given to overcomers. But Jesus stands in the church calling us to authority, to kingdom operation. Every one of the promises in Revelation 2 and 3 to the seven churches are throne room promises that are given to the overcomer, which means not everybody going to be there. Are you okay? I didn't hurt, I didn't offend you, did I, brother? If I did, I gonna sit down and talk it over. I've had enough, boy. Today, didn't it? Not a him. Okay, watch this. Go to Revelation 2, and I'm going to close. I'm going to show you. You can look at Revelation 2 and 3, the promises of Jesus to the overcomer in the church, and you can go to Revelation 20, 21, and 22, and you can see uh, the promises fulfilled. And you can see what it means. Okay? So let's look at Revelation 2 and verse 7. He that hath an ear, he's talking to the church of Ephesus. You know what? Isn't that something? What time is it? It's 12... 13. I didn't think I was going to have anything to say this morning. <laughs> Bible Center Fellowship is a, is a unique church. We got heat blowing out of this and cold blowing out of this. Doesn't make sense, does it? All of a sudden you'll have heat blowing out of there and all, it'll change and it'll go to cold. Like people, like Hot one minute, whoo, burning fire. Next minute, whoo, cold. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, boy, I feel good, man. I still feel that cold air blowing on me. And all of a sudden, the heat came back on. <laughs> we didn't create enough heat down here, did we? <laughs> Revelation 2, 7, the church of Ephesus. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Their spirit... To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So we have spirits inviting the church to overcome. And when you overcome, then you get the promise. And you'll be able to the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We'll go to Revelation. Keep your place in Revelation 2. Go to Revelation 22. Verse 2. Revelation 22, verse 2, And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Look at there. Right there in the throne room. And that cube, that Jerusalem of God, He's inviting you out of the second dimension into the Holy of Holies. And He says, if you'll overcome, here's spirit, but here's the overcomer. And if you overcome, then now you've got a throne room promise. You'll be able to eat of the tree of life 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And there it is. The fulfillment of the promise to the overcomer. Revelation 22. Okay, y'all with me so far? Go to verse 14, Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments. There we go. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So here we have the people who keep the commandments of God, the overcomers. They are giving the promise to be able to eat of the tree of life. See it? Okay. Let's look at another one. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. Y'all ready to the church of Smyrna? Uh, let's go to verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. This is the persecuted church. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. I will give thee a crown of life. Say a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the what? Churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Come on, are you with me here? All right. Let's go to Revelation 20, verse 14. Let's find out what that overcomer receives. What is the second death? 2014. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The promise to the overcomer here is that you will not be hurt of the second death. And now we find out, Revelation 20, verse 14, right? What that is, hell. But he talks about the verse above that, a crown of life. That is authority in the kingdom. It's a throne room. It's a crowning promise. But connected to the crowning promise is a promise that you're not going to be in hell. If you don't want to go to hell, you're going to have to overcome. But if you overcome, you're going to get a crown of life. Okay, let's go to Revelation 22. Not just Revelation 20, but Revelation 22, verse 19. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. Out of the holy city. See that? And from the things which are written in this book. If you don't want to be heard of the second death, you want to have a crown of life. You want to have life and not be cast out of the city. You have to be an overcome. Give God some praise here. So we have the negative side of the over, of not overcoming. That's hell. But the positive side of it is reigning. Being in the city of God. In the cubicle, most holy place, the throne room of God. You got it? Okay. Let's look at the next one. Okay. Now we're going to talk to the church of Pergamos, or Jesus is. To the church of Pergamos, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There he is standing. Remember, he's standing in the midst of the seven gold candlesticks, inviting you into that most holy place. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the hidden manna? Will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name, written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Revelation 22, 4. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There's the fulfillment of the promise. 
face-to-face encounter. And his name will be in their foreheads. Okay, you with me so far? Now that means so much. His name. Well, the name of God. All right. But you're going to receive a new name. Which is a, a perfect description of who you are. In the spirit. Okay, now I'm not going to get in that. That's, that's so much. But I'm just trying to show you the promises to the overcomer. Is that throne room. The governmental aspect of God. Okay? Did you see that? Revelation 22. There they are standing before the throne. Seeing him face to face with the name of God in their forehead. Alright? Let's go over to... Uh, let's look at the next church. The church of Thyatira. Okay, verse 25 of chapter 2. But that which you have already hold fast till I come. Hold fast till when? Till he comes. Oh, till he urkomies. This is talking about his second coming. He's talking to the church. The church is in the tribulation period. You know what he's doing here in these churches? He's comforting. The church in, its, in the time of persecution, he's comforting. He's revealing the word to them. There's different degrees of light in each one of those churches depending on what it, they have to, what, what they're having to get rid of. Okay, you see what I'm trying to show you? So he's, he's comforting them. He's rewarding them. He's revealing to them. He's judging the church there. Understand? Judgment must begin at the house of God. He's doing all those things in the church. Judging who he needs to judge, comforting those that need comforting. Whatever. Okay. Revealing himself. But when we look at this, he's calling the church to this higher level. Which we see fulfilled at the end of Revelation. In the literal sense. Are y'all getting it now? Okay. Verse 25. He says, hold fast till I come. Uh, Verse 20. What's going to happen if you do? Verse 27, he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessel of a potter shall they be broken in shivers. Even as I received of my father, I will give him to him the morning star. Wow. If you're an overcomer, he'll give you the morning star. And notice, it's connected with his urkoma, his second coming. Wonder what the morning star is. Rapture! When he comes, he's going to catch the overcomer up. You with me so far? All right, 2216. Let's go over there. Let's see the fulfillment of this promise. Right there in Revelation 22. The interior of the Jerusalem of God. All right, 2216. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. No, he's going to give himself to you in a certain way. <laughs> and I personally believe that's, that's connected to the rapture. But notice the promise is given way over there when Jesus is standing in the churches, progressively ruling. But now when you get to the final fulfilled throne of God, we have these promises fulfilled. There they are standing right there in that most holy place in the throne room, receiving these promises. All these overcomers. Not just people who had spirit, but people who overcome. Now they've got authority. I'm going to, sometime, I'm going to take the time. And I'm going to try to understand what all of these symbols mean in relationship to kingdom authority. 
We're not just talking about spirit here. We're talking about promises given to those who overcome in spirit. Every one of these, tree of life, you know, all these things, morning star, all this has to do with something governmental. I don't know what it is. I just know we're getting it up there. We're receiving it up there at his final throne. Remember? He's standing in the same churches. He's saying, come on over here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come in the the throne room. Come in and enjoy some of God. Are we listening? Are you hearing me? Look, God, I feel good. Ooh, something got a hold of me. Look at this. So that means then that if, wow, I got a revelation. I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm going to share with you what came to my mind. That there must be some people in the church that are not yet in the dimension of Jerusalem. Because the Jerusalem of God is a cube and it's the most holy place. Are you hearing me? So you can be in the church in the spirit. And I've said before that you are the Jerusalem of God. But it could be that only the overcomers in that church are Jerusalem. Think about that just a little bit. Think about that just a little bit. Because I want to show you something. Watch this. Now, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying think about it. Okay, now watch. Let's look at Revelation chapter 3. To the church of Sardis. You know, that old halfway church. That, you know, that church that God said, I hadn't found your works complete. You got a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Yeah, a lot of people got a name, they're alive. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but they're dead. They're Sardis. Okay, watch this. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Be ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God or complete. But anyway, verse 5 to the church of Pergamos. He that overcometh. The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his, his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Go to Revelation twenty-two nineteen. That's the promise. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. But if you overcome, God's not going to take your name out of the book of life. There's the promise. There's the promise. Are y'all with me still? Okay, let's go to the next church. The church of Philadelphia, verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out. I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. See? So there's some in the church that don't make it to the Jerusalem level. Only overcomers make it to that Jerusalem level. All right? So go put upon him the name of God, the name of the city of my God, which is what? New Jerusalem. And that's the whole Revelation 21 and 22 passage. It talks the beauty and the brilliance of, of the Jerusalem of God. Revelation 21 and 22. The exterior and the interior of the Jerusalem of God. That that promised to Philadelphia church the whole Revelation 21 and 22. 
the whole thing. The Jerusalem of God is the most holy place. It is the throne room. It's the kingdom. Come on. Make you a pillar in the temple. Now that don't mean, see, what time is it? Good. Good, I'm glad, sister. That don't mean, thank God, that God's going to look at Brother Andrew and say, you're a pillar. Boom. He turns into a, a stone. You know, it's symbolism. Symbolism. You know what I'm saying? There is literal, but you have to understand the spiritual truth that the literal is trying to teach you. The natural and then the spirit. But I'm, gonna focus, I'm focusing on the literal because I've already taught you the spiritual before. Y'all already know all this stuff about the spiritual side. Anyway, okay. Y'all ready? Now let's look at the last church, the church of Laodicea. That old lukewarm church that God's spitting out of his mouth. Okay, verse 21. Let's start at verse, verse 20. Verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You get that? Man, you know what? The more God rebukes me, the more he chastises me, the more he corrects me, you know what that let me know? The more he loves me. Now, I don't know if you can measure God's, um, you know, omnipotent love or omniscient love, but. See, if he just leaves me to myself, leaves me alone, don't ever deal with me, then you know what? That's really not saying so much about God as it is about me. I'm a bastard and not a son. You know the difference between a son and a bastard? A son receives correction. You got it. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Somebody said, I got a letter one day. I said, Pastor, if you really knew your son, yeah, okay. My, well, a son receives correction. All right? Bastards do not, according to Hebrews, is it 12? You read Hebrews 12 and 13. They don't receive correction. Now, you think I enjoy spanking my little boy or my little girl? I do not, do not enjoy spanking them, nor do I enjoy ever disciplining you or correcting you or chastising you or spanking you in a sense. I don't enjoy that. I grieve over that more than you will ever know. All right? But I love you. I love you. Uh. Don't let that devil talk out of you. <laughs> to him that overcometh will I grant to set with me in my throne. Throne room promise. If you'll overcome that old Laodicea lukewarm spirit that refuses to be corrected by fathers and ultimately by God. then you will be invited to not just be around the throne but to sit with him in the throne that's powerful man so it's an invitation all the way to the throne Revelation 22 verse 5 let's go there and see if it happens to the, for the overcomers 22 5 there shall be no night there 
They need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And forever and ever is forever and ever. That is awesome, man. So he starts out there in the churches, reigning, spirit, voice. You with me? Revelation 2 and 3 calling you to the Jerusalem of God that most holy place giving you all kinds of promises to those that are filled with the spirit that will overcome he's going to give you kingdom authority now but he's going to promise you a closeness and an intimacy in that city based on what you do right now and so close that you'll be able to see him face to face that's mind blowing to me mind blowing that's what he's promising. So do y'all see the picture here? That is Zion. That's the government of God. And you need to remember there's a heavenly Zion and there's an earthly Zion. Hello, Zion. You with me? There's a heavenly new Jerusalem. There's a spiritual Jerusalem. Come on. You're not hearing me, are you? There's a, that's why the word heaven is a plural word. Because he's showing you the upper heaven and the lower heaven. The literal heaven and the spiritual heaven. You're in the spiritual heaven, but you're going to the literal heaven. Heavenly Zion, earthly Zion. Got it? All right. So don't ever forget that when we're talking about these literal things in, in the literal heaven that we're going to, in an ultimate sense, there's always a spiritual reality to these things for us now. I don't have to wait for Jesus to come. To go to glory. We about said we go from glory to glory. Watch. From glory, the glory of the church dimension, to glory. Throne room. We are being changed. Are you with me? Into the very image. So the more I look, oh, see, I want to get off and I want to teach y'all some more, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> you become what you look at. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. You become what you look at. And if in the spirit you're beholding the face of Jesus, you're becoming more and more like him. Okay? Praise God. If you're looking at all this other stuff, that's what you're becoming. Are you here? All right, let's stand. How many of y'all want to go to that ultimate place? Now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you because I feel the need to humble. I'm going to tell you something right now. What I just preached makes me want to bow down because I'm not there yet. I got a lot to overcome and so do you. So when I preach this, I'm not... Put myself, I've made it and you haven't. I'm telling you, some of you are probably there in the spirit and I'm not there yet. And I'm being honest with you today. You are great people of God. And the Lord Jesus walks in the midst of you and he's calling many of you to that level of authority. To his throne room. To a place of intimacy that only the bridegroom and the bride have. Some of you are moving that way. Because you're not satisfied with church as usual. You want the kingdom of God to operate in your life. 
And so I say that because I don't want you to think I'm preaching down to you. I'm just, this is my service today. This is my, um, my function today is to preach something that's greater than me and greater than you. And to show you that Jesus is saying, you can come up there. This will be your eternal home. But you can get there right now in the spirits. You don't have to wait. Father, in your precious name right now, I ask in your mighty name, Jesus, that your church would hear this word. That we would walk, God, in obedience to your government and your authority. God, I ask you to forgive me. I don't feel worthy, God, to have brought this word this morning. I'm striving, God, striving to overcome. To not just exist in the church realm, but to walk in authority. Not just in spirit, but in authority. Not just anointed and naked, but anointed and clothed. In white raiment. Authority. Kingly authority. If it's your desire today to go to a higher place. The Bible says Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. He's inviting. In Revelation 4, the Bible says after this. John saw a door open in heaven. He was caught up and he went into that throne room. And in the spirit, the Lord, if you will, see it's not just God standing on the outside. You have a job. You have a function. You have to open the door. If you'll open the door in the spirit, you can rise up and go through the door into the most holy place. Where you are in spirit is where you will be ultimately throughout eternity in the literal heavenly city, the Jerusalem of God. Father, I believe, God, that you're knocking on the door. If any man open, if any man will hear your voice and open unto you, you will come into them, into them. You will sup with us and we will sup with you, Father. In Jesus' name. Mm, God, I... Jesus. If there be any rebellion, any Absalom in us, any insurrection in us, any beast in us. Let it be defeated today by your word and by your spirit, by your voice and by your spirit. We open the door to your voice and your spirit.
Lord Jesus, our focus is not upon an emerald rainbow, a sardis, jasper stone, light, or seraphim, or angels, or the host of the redeemed. Our focus is upon you, upon your throne. Rule and reign in us, O God, in the Spirit. By your grace and by your power, we will overcome and walk into your throne room. Clean hands and a pure heart, inwardly and outwardly, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to be an overcomer, would you just lift your voice and shout unto the Lord? Oh, Jesus, with a voice of triumph, Jesus, 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 mighty God in Jesus, mighty name. Jesus, Jesus. Look at, look at this church. Look at this church. Last Sunday night, the word of the Lord unto us was deep calls to deep. Look at this. Here it is again. Deep. Deep calls to deep. Deep really calls to deep here. Calling you to go deeper. Now I'm going to tell you what you did. You did some things. When you went in there, you did some things in the natural that could be seen. But there were things that happened in the spirit when y'all did what you did. Something powerful happened. You responded to the call. God is in the midst of you. He's in the midst of you. He's walking through these aisles and he's inviting you. To a deeper relationship, to a deeper walk. And some of you are willing to do anything and everything you can to get there. I told my wife, I said, there's people in that church, they would lay down their life for Jesus Christ. There's not a doubt in my mind. Do anything they can. Thank you for relationship, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your church, your people. We hear your word today, oh God. You've invited us to come and sit with you in your throne. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to come back tonight, 530 is prayer, 430 is the classes.